This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What is it that makes New York competitive and appealing at a global level when you are somebody who has to make that decision? And I think there's some really compelling reasons that New York is the place to invest in. Uh, Number one is its diversity. This is Humane, a weekly podcast focused on bridging the gap between humans and machines in this age of acceleration. My name is David Jakobovich, and on this podcast, I interview experts in sociology, psychology, artificial intelligence, researchers on consumer-facing products and consumer-facing companies to help audiences better understand AI and its many capabilities. If you like the show, remember to subscribe and leave a review. Welcome back, everyone. My name is David Jakobovich, and this is the Humane Podcast, bridging the gap between humans and machines in the age of acceleration. Today, our featured guest is John Lynn of the Studio Project in New York. John has been involved with many innovation and acceleration and incubator programs, helping startups become successful and finding that secret sauce for technology. John, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me, David. You know, 2019 is shaping up to be a very exciting year. It's on the heels of CES and a lot of new innovation technology. Any trends or signals that you've started to see that our viewers should be interested in? Yeah, I think the trends and patterns and trajectories that I'm I'm, I'm closest to have a lot to do with, number one, the accelerator world, but number two, the relationship between innovation programs and the growth of tech in New York City as a a now predominant tech capital. And I see really awesome opportunities uh, in both directions in 2019. And that's interesting because a lot of my work's also in that space. You know, I do a lot with Galvanize and we're one of the programs that works with Techstars. But beyond that, I've had a chance to see that New York has a lot going on. We have the Tech Talent Pipeline launching. We have Cyber NYC launching. We have R Lab launching. There's so many, I, I probably just named a handful of the programs that are launching 
launching. I mean, you know, what do you think this means for someone like yourself who's an innovator in New York? Yeah, yeah. I think it means something very similar to to you or to anybody who's been a part of the growth of the New York City tech ecosystem over the past, you know, five, seven years. There's been a dramatic stage of growth for New York City as a tech ecosystem in the last two years, and particularly in the last nine months or so, where you have uh, Google, I think, is almost tripling their employee count in New York City after acquiring the entire Chelsea Market building for more than a billion dollars in cash in 2017, which I think is the largest real estate deal in New York City history. At the same time, we have the uh, Cornell Tech beginning to gain a lot of momentum, and the Hudson Yards Technology Development Park is opening in uh, in March, I think March 19th of this year. That is the largest development in New York City history. It is the largest development in the world. It will have 16 skyscrapers and I think less than a six-block radius, and will have more commercial square footage than I think Portland, uh, Oregon, when it's all it's all said and done. So when you think about all the all the larger investments that are coming into New York City alongside some of the specific initiatives that you just mentioned in terms of Cyber NYC, our labs, and some of the other great programs that the EDC is getting behind, but also the mayor's office is kicking off with NYCX, which has a, a focus on making New York City the most diverse tech ecosystem in the world, which it may already be, but you never have enough of that, uh, then, then you can, you, you're yeah, absolutely right. There are there are some incredible trends that are converging, and that are going to have a, a tremendous impact on what the opportunities are for anybody who's interested in tech and uh, and has NYC in, uh, in 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 their reach. I think Hudson Yards is something that's been on many people's minds for many years, and now it's coming to fruition. It's as you mentioned, a couple of the buildings are already live. The other ones are coming live. The retail space, the tech. Uh, from someone who's lived in New York and you've seen it, and for people who travel to New York, I mean, do you think Hudson Yards is the next big thing, or is it a little bit overhyped? I think if you think from a sort of geographical point of view, there's a potentially accidental fortune uh, growing along the seven line, which terminates at the Hudson Yards development. Because what's there is you have Hudson Yards, which is you know where the where, where that's where that subway line begins and ends. Uh, you have Cornell Tech, Roosevelt Island, uh, that are that is right along that line, and then you have what else? Long Island City. So I think there is legitimacy to to the impact that the Hudson Yards development can bring to inviting more participation in technology into New York, but that it is also just part of a constellation of greater things that are also really well-timed given where the ecosystem is going right now. And again, that that, that is not just Cornell Tech, but many of the different policies that are going on at a, at, at a government and private level um, as well. So I'm excited. A lot of people don't have the pleasure to live in New York, to be in tech hubs and and see the fast pace of innovation here. So, you know, to give people a little appreciation of New York and the rapid scale of what's occurring, what what does it mean? Like if someone was a consumer and they wanted to 
you know, check out New York Tech or move to New York? I mean, your questions. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thank you for asking. So, you know, in, in, in addition to being an entrepreneur and a, a community member of, of the New York City tech tech ecosystem here, I, I also really believe in and, and, and love being a New Yorker and, and, and living and working in New York. And so it's a big part of the reason that I'm so excited that all these great things are coming into our community. I think uh, that should be rewarding for, for anybody who's been there, been here as long as uh, you know, people like you and I have. But for the growing number of individuals and organizations that are looking at where they should find their partners and their opportunities in innovation and in technology, the question is still a difficult one because you're not just thinking about Silicon Valley. You can be thinking about Austin and Boulder. You can be thinking about other growing tech hubs in other countries. There are obviously amazing things happening in in, in China and, and in Europe in regards to their tech ecosystems. So what is it that makes New York competitive and appealing at a global level when you are somebody who has to make that decision? And I think there's some really compelling reasons that New York is the place to invest in. Uh, number one is its diversity. And that is something I, I mean demographically, but that I also mean economically. Uh, New York City has the the most sort of diverse business environment. There are more kinds of businesses here, and more more state more businesses active at different stages here that are financed by different kinds of capital here uh, than almost anywhere in the world. So, if you want to have the opportunity to come in and test the application of a technology you've built in a number of different business settings, then there is no better place to go than than New York City. The second piece that's super important that I think is underappreciated is the talent piece. Uh, New York City has more undergraduate college students than Boston has people. There are almost 3 million. So when you think about the opportunity to create, to get involved with an ecosystem that can be a constant source for talent development as universities themselves are innovating towards and stepping up towards what the new economy needs, then things get even more exciting. And then I think last, uh, and I touched on this with sort of the diversity point, but this is an ecosystem. This is a this is an ecosystem capital. This is not a venture capital, right? So there are great investors here, and there are great investor groups that are active in in New York City, but this is not an ecosystem that is owned by venture capital in the same way that maybe Silicon Valley is. We're here in New York, you know, some of the most important crypto organizations that have been born and are, and are active consensus, obviously chief among them, you know, but you've also got great, uh, this is sort of the capital for crowdfunding. We have both Kickstarter and Indiegogo, and we are, we are the, one of the primary markets for Republic, a crowd equity sharing platform. And then last, there's interesting alternatives to both, to, to, to private investment and venture funding that are developing here as well. Uh, there are funds that are now built around taking a revenue share of your company as long as you have a certain amount and, and, and have achieved certain milestones of growth it, and won't take any equity at all. So uh, investment, the, what investment looks like here is changing at an iterative scale as well. And so I think that's an important thing to be aware of is for anybody who is thinking about whether they should come to New York. 
I think the revenue share is, is a very interesting part on the scale of ecosystems. Also in education, we're seeing a lot of that with the boot camps and no longer is it, you know, pay for your program, but pay for a percentage of your salary for one to two years to, you know, support you through that. So I think the business models has always been that that secret sauce for New York, right? It's not necessarily just the technology, but how do we bridge the gap of technology and people? In essence, like humans and machines, bridging them together. That's really true. And uh, well, what a great point. I hadn't thought about that, but the opportunity to innovate in business models themselves certainly is something that's that's very unique here, but also thinking about the transactions behind education, right? And the way that that alters what people can expect and what they can invest in certain opportunities. So boot camps are a great example. Some of them are tuition fees. Some of them are free and get paid at a, as a recruitment fee once you have a job. And some of them take a piece of your salary on an ongoing basis. But it's it's showing that there is a closer and closer relationship between some of the systems that we exist within and some of the resources that we need in, in, in order to move forward, like education. So, uh, so what a great point. I appreciate that. And, you know, New York is seen again as a hub of many things, you know, for those uh, not in New York, they look upon New York for, you know, what's going on is the health of the economy and the country. I think one of the contrarian views that's often expressed on New York is look at your retail shops. Your retail shops are empty. There's no longer any business. The storefronts are empty. And yes, you do go on Fifth Avenue. You do go to West Soho. You do go to the Lower East Side and there are empty storefronts. But the interesting a perspective to you know speak against the New York Daily News and Curbed and all these platforms that say New York's retail is empty is how is the tech economy revitalizing retail? There are startups now like Casper and Warby Parker and bigger ones like Microsoft and Amazon moving into retail. I'm just curious, again, from your thought point with people and tech, I mean, how is that looking from a human movement perspective with the companies that you work with uh, in New York? I love that question too. Yeah. So I think it speaks to a greater theme of the changing and increasing importance of experience in of, of human direct in real life IRL experience in creating a business or a brand of, of any kind. And retail businesses are front and center of that question. But I think as you probably observed in this ecosystem as well, more and more companies are doing events and are creating experiences and activations that bring people in to their into their mission directly uh, and in physical experiences, whether it's a community event or uh, or something else. Uh, and I think that when you think about those two points at at the same time, you can you can sort of see that the challenge is how do we how do we gain attention and then how do we build on it in a way that is coherent and that can result in business? There are so many different demands of anyone's time, attention, energy, effort, Online and offline input these days that there's a, a sort of new new difficulty in, in understanding what part experience plays in, in, in solving that challenge. So, so I know that there are interesting ways that Real estate is being leveraged in New York uh, in creative ways. Notel is using 
real estate spaces to create showrooms that people, potential clients and, and, and customers, no tell for anybody listening that's not sure about that company is WeWork's biggest competitor in New York City and, and maybe in the world. And they focus on creating sort of innovative work spaces for, for larger companies, not necessarily startups. And so their showroom helps client potential clients imagine what that might look like for them. But you can look at something as as simple as as food stands and the way that they've evolved past sort of trailers on vans with hot dogs and and skewers and into into almost classy experiences in some in some uh, in some instances. And so I, mean, I think it, it's probably one of the other great reasons to 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 look to New York because of of how much the city itself is changing due to the the rise of technology. When you look at the technology and the experiences, they are shifting. You know, the startups that are in the retail space are no longer very of this scrappy bootstrap mentality, but how do we embody the professionalism, the glitz and glam of what could be New York when we had the greatest showman and the Ringling Brothers, you know, bringing it all back to life. And, you know, No Tells is a classic example. You know, I work a lot today with Galvanize and we have a partnership as well with No Tell where we support and enterprises and that level. And it's it's so fascinating when you step into their space versus when you step into WeWork. It's a whole different world. It's, it, it is completely apples and oranges. And, and so really what I think is interesting is how you can leverage technology and leverage it to design spaces or design apps or design innovations for humans to still be a part of that conversation. And you see that at Notel and perhaps you see that with a lot of the the innovation centers and accelerators that you're working with. You know, this year there's always new startups and uh, are you seeing any trends or signals uh, in the space that are maybe moving away from the fringe technology, but more to mainstream that consumers should be uh, considering or setting their eyes on? Yeah. So I think if, if you consider accelerators and incubators as as good platforms for, for accessing what's what's up and coming and what 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 is to what should be paid attention to, then one of the biggest changes and shifts that I see in that space is in the format of the accelerators themselves. And they're moving away from being strictly educational experiences that can help a founder set up their corporation, create a plan, get ready to fundraise, project cash flows, and more towards getting connected and getting real opportunities with individuals and organizations that can move the the, the business forward for, for the participant. And now it's taking another step forward and they're becoming virtual experiences. So many of the programs that have been successful, and you can see this most notably with Y Combinator, is that they are experimenting heavily with creating online platforms, creating a MOOC, creating content that can scale the the knowledge and expertise that they have, as well as the access that they have to a larger audience that's not just inside of Silicon Valley. And, and I think it's it's indicative of what's happening with accelerators generally is that they under they are beginning to understand they have a greater opportunity to provide access to individuals of any kind that want to get into tech and part a, bit, a big part of the way that that's changing is, is how they are investing in in virtual touch points virtual curriculum whether it's in doing a 
a webinar or a Q&A in the, in the promotion process, or if it's for running an entirely virtual experience that still brings together individuals into networking opportunities the way that an IRL accelerator would. So, so I think the virtualization of, of education and of access to opportunities in, in tech specifically is something that there's a lot happening happening within that maybe is not being highlighted in the same way that blockchain, crypto are at the moment. There's definitely a lot of parallels with education and accelerators. And as an individual in the New York education space, I've had the opportunity to also teach both IRL, you know, this in real life type education and the digital, you know, remote learning and that. And the experience is completely different still, I would say in 2018, 2019, but I think it is improving. I've experienced challenges and I'm sure listeners on this call who are in college and students will potentially agree that sometimes having the attention and the focus in that remote environment requires a lot more discipline. And so I'm, you know, just curious about, you know, is it a best practice that Y Combinator and these programs are distributing, you know, in one aspect of this accessibility and the accessibility of knowledge and accessibility of you can do it. But to what extent is that value being mm, diluted? Yeah. So how does the virtualization of collaboration actually affecting efficiency and, and the ability of a team to be highly impactful? Because it is it is not necessarily harder to manage, but it is newer to manage. And there are more question marks around how to do it really well. So this is something that a lot of the founders at one of the, uh, you know, one of the original accelerator brands is NUMA based in, in, in New York. They're, they're one of the programs that we work with. They focus specifically on bringing in international founders. So a lot of these founders have achieved product market fit in another in another market, in an origin market, in another country, uh, and are leaving their teams to come to the United States, to come to New York City, and try to try to establish activities here. And one of their one of the biggest continuous challenges is how they can, can how they can expand while at the same time sort of continue to manage and engage engage with their team and keep keep everybody productive. So it's something that we're exploring as we figure out the best answers to that question, but it's it's certainly a point of curiosity and concern on, at, at all levels, not just education, but team management itself. I think naturally in New York, being that center ecosystem, there's a lot of cross-border opportunities. And now there's a lot of these cross-border venture funds, innovation centers occurring in the last few years. Do you think it, it's merited that some of this cross-border is going to both you know, add benefit to the New York and U.S. ecosystem as well as international? Is it a two-way street? The reason I ask this question all around cross-border is – well, this year, there's a lot going on with uh, China, very large uh, number two world economy, and with the trade wars and, and a lot of these, you know, overhyped or maybe not overhyped things going on. The question is, how is US IP? Should it be staying here? Should it go overseas? So just trying to ask a little bit your thoughts on cross-border innovation overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, like I said, I think that's going to be part of the the rush to New York that is going to happen in the next in the next few years, given our our, our new 
really global leadership and as a tech capital. I have, you know, just in the past two years, spent uh, spent time on on a few speaking tours in China and in Japan, and have obviously worked with founders from from, from many other countries as a result of my participation with Numa. And you know what the, what is happening and what is changing is that there's always admiration and interest in the U.S. market because. We have more volume. We their price points are higher. Any business that, that might have a shot would want to come here. The, the bigger change is in why they're coming to New York. And I think to your question, you know, is that merited? Is that warranted? In the past, of course, it would be right. New York has everything. It has the financial it is the financial capital of the world. It has some of the the biggest corporate headquarters in in, in the world as well. But you know, to our earlier point, it, it's diversifying and it, not not just as a demographic, but it, but as a business community. And so, I think it, it's becoming a place that the world founders all over are looking to in order to to really get access to everything they need in order to be successful. The talent the customers, the investors, the service providers, all of it is here. And, and and I think that's really something that is definitive for New York, that's distinctive for New York, that that can be built upon, built upon as a unique in making ourselves a unique tech capital. And that is for real. As an innovator in New York and seeing a lot of the cutting edge technology going on, would an outsider look down at New York and say, I think it's it's all hype. And if they were to ask that question, what would be the myths that you would like to dispel for someone looking down at New York to say, it's actually, when you take a closer look, things are happening here. You want to be in New York. Yeah. So the, the first things I would go to are, are the sort of three points I made earlier. Diversity of opportunity here and the kinds of businesses that are available to partner with is like no other in the world, the access to talent is like nothing else. Um, again, there's there's more undergraduate students in New York than there are people in Boston, which is uh, which was up until recently. What, what you know really regarded as the number two tech ecosystem in the United States, and then you know number three, the different kinds of capital that are available for businesses in in New York. Right? This is yes, there is venture capital, but there's also a lot more customer capital. You can make money from potential customers here in a way that you know isn't necessarily available everywhere. So those, I think, are, are, are still key to, to why this is New York really isn't a good position. But I think the most important is timing. It is great that there's international interest. It is great that the mayor's office has initiatives that are supportive of tech. It is great that Hudson Yards, Cornell Tech, and LIC are happening at the same time. But the important thing is that all of those things are happening at the same time. And that's where the watershed is. That, 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 that's why I think this is a really unique opportunity to get involved right now. You know, in an economic class in college, we learn about agglomeration effects, about bringing everything together. And as you keep adding more and more, it's just it, one plus one is more than two. Right. So it's, it's adding more value. And that's that's what's occurring in New York. And I think that's what's going to occur with both the technology and the humans. Right. We like to call humans and machines. We like to call this age of acceleration. But it it is how do you define these experiences where humans are augmented? Right. The spaces you live in, the spaces you work in. And I'm sure you've seen a lot with those accelerators and, and uh, a lot of new things are going to happen this year. For sure. Absolutely. 
Is there anything for the audience that's exciting that you're working on? Maybe you'd like to share any cool new technology that uh, you're getting to be a part of this year as well. Sure, sure. So my one of my big efforts this year will be resuming the Acceler- the Global Accelerator Summit that we set up last year. Uh, it was the first time it's been done in the history of the industry. And we set it up and kicked it off last year, and we're going to continue it in New York City this year. So uh, keep an eye out for uh, for that announcement and, and, and how you can get involved uh, and be there day of. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for being with us today, John. This is the Humane Podcast, Bridging the Gap of Humans and Machines. Today, all about New York City. That's it for this episode of Humane. I'm David Jakobovich, and if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to click subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to this. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you in the next one. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.